Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Who was here last week, by the way? Powerful word, isn't it? Who was motivated to, or convicted, to actually start sitting and serving at the same time? Because I know I was, you know, for reals. And I think it's so powerful when we, allow the, the, when we allow Jesus to speak to our hearts. Not just the preacher, not just the pastor to speak to us, but allowing Jesus to be the one that dictates what's happening inside of our hearts. And motivating us and pushing us to respond to that. So today... I have, um, God gave me a revelation of um, the, well, let's just say the title of the sermon is called The Power of Value. And God was speaking to me about values in my life. All right, who in here has values? I certainly hope all of us do because our life is surrounded by values, whether it's good or bad. All right, we live our life according to the values that we have inside of us. So what we value dictates how we choose to live how our family will be, who our friends are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you're not going to hang out with someone that doesn't have the same values as you necessarily, right? Um, or your family reflects what you truly value. And so values are so influential in your life. And um, when you value something, it's not just an idea. Your life really does reflect that value. So just take a moment and think about your life and think about, or think about someone around you that's, that you're around in your life that you start to notice what kind of values they have. And you start to, you could probably name a few things because you see it happen in their life. That's a value. And so the thing that the Lord was speaking to me about the powerful value that we all need in our lives as Christians, you know, um, he actually spoke to me. He's like, RJ, do you truly value it or do you like the idea of valuing it? And there's a difference, you know. Sometimes we love the idea of valuing something, but are we really doing it? Are we really living it? And so that's not really a value in your life if all you do is just like the idea, you know. And so I like the idea of being a basketball player, but do I do it? No. No. Have you seen how tall I am? No, I'm not. I can't do it. I'm not. Although I do play, right, Garrett? Yeah, I play. So, but do I value it as much as I, I would like to? Probably not because you don't see it reflected in my life, you know. But what do you value? <laughs> Heard that. What do you value in your life? So, if you haven't noticed, I am Filipino. Yeah, I know. Um, and one of the things that I grew up with was the Filipino culture. And I value a lot of my Filipino culture. Ask my wife. She, um, if you go home, um, if, you, if, if you ask her and we go home, she's, she could tell you all the things that are Filipino-like. You know, don't wear your shoes at the, in the house. But if you really understood what I valued, you would notice that I have not one but two rice cookers that cook about 10 cups of rice. And I buy rice by the 15 pounds, okay? So that's pretty normal. Am I right? No? No one? Okay. So probably just me, but I truly do value it. At, when I was a kid, maybe some of you heard this story before, but when I was a kid, um, I would grow up eating eggs and rice, okay? And that was, and, the, and it wasn't until second grade when I realized that that was not what everyone in America did, okay? <laughs> so one time in second grade, we were waiting to go into class, and we were just kids talking about everything that we ate for breakfast. Some kids were like, oh, I'm eating Pop-Tarts, or I ate bacon, or I just ate scrambled eggs. And I'm over here, and I'm saying, I ate eggs and rice. And they're like, you eat rice for breakfast? And I'm like, you don't? And then, boom, life changed dramatically. But then... You know, but really, valuing the things in your life ref are, are the true things that you value reflect in how you live, okay? Being part of a military family, we valued order and punctuality. You know, that's why, and, and many of you know, that's how I am. Like, it's not just, it, I love order, and I love being on time, and I love things, like, well. Because we grew up at, with a dad who would take me to church three hours early just to sit there and wait for rehearsal to start, you know? So I would, I, my dad, being the military guy that he is, taught me to, how to value punctuality, excellence, order in my life. He also taught me how to value the mornings, you know? So all that to say, 
um, when we value something, it reflects in our lives. So what is that thing that you value the most in your life? The best way to see it is how are you living your life? Are you reflecting the values that you really want, or are you just thinking of ideas of values that you wish you had? And when we value something, it's evident in our lives because we live it out all the time. If you don't value healthy eating, you're just going to eat pizza and burgers all day long, every day, right? Saying it isn't enough. You have to live it. The proof really is in the pudding. Pun totally intended for that one. So today I want to talk to you about the most important value that we need to have as Christians. People who call, if you call yourself a true follower of God, we need to make sure that our life truly values this, okay? We need to be people who value the word of God. Everything. You know, I know we have all these ideas of Christian values, and maybe you have a lot of Christian values, but did you know that all these values should come from one source, which is the word of God? And we need to value, we need to truly value what the word of God is, who he is, what he does, what it does in our life. And we, when we value that, our life can truly change. We live in a generation that is so confused, so broken, so divided, so selfish. Everything is true if that's what you feel kind of generation. And I'm not just saying young people. When I say generation, I mean everyone who's alive. Who's alive in here? Amen, right? You're a part of this generation, people, okay? We, when I say generation, it's us. It's us. And we are, as you could tell, if you turn around, turn left, turn right, the world's in chaos, you know. And it's just crazy how, how much everything is going, spiraling out of control. But only God's word can bring true clarity. Only God's word could keep you solid in your life. John 1, 1 through 5 says this. Okay. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. That represents Jesus. It represents God himself. Charles Spurgeon says, if we want revival, we must revive our reverence for the word of God. And reverence means deep, deep respect. Oh, I will. If we want revival, we, want to, we must revive our reverence for the word of God. Do we truly respect the word of God? Or do we just put it there as a paper holder, you know? What is the word of God to you? It's time for this generation to rebuild our lives on the foundation of his word because we are building our foundation on everything else but his word. And when we do ground ourselves in God's word, nothing could shake us. When we value the word of God, we both read the Bible and practice the Bible. That's why we say all year long, practicing God's word makes me strong. Ask yourself, do I really value the word of God or do I just like the idea of it? So why should we value the word of God? Why? When we value the word of God, we open our hearts to God to allow him to do only what he can do. We could hear him speak clearly to us as well. Be careful who you listen to. You know, God says to also be careful what you hear, okay? But be careful who you listen to. Listen to the people who say that they're Christian, who say they hear from the Lord. But yet they don't value the word of God. My thing is when I hear people prophesy about things in the name of Jesus yet I don't see their life reflecting in the name of Jesus, I get a little concerned because I'm like, where are you hearing this? 
If it's not from the word, everything that is prophecy, everything that is spoken of God comes from the word of God. You could align it up there. But I get concerned and I'm, I literally, like really, and, and if this is, if you are listening to people and you, you, you're not checking their life, checking how they're living, all of these things, you've got to be careful. And I'm, I know it's not necessarily the people that's the issue because it's, uh, it's a spiritual thing because it's not against flesh and blood but the principalities of darkness. But we got to still be careful about that, who we listen to. Wolves in sheep clothing, okay? Just let me just say that. John, okay, so why should we value the word of God? Main scripture today that I have is from John 15, 1 through 10, and verse 16. I'm reading from the NLT version. And I was trying to figure out what the word of, like, why is it so important to read the Bible? And I've read the Bible since I was... Starting 17 years old, and I am 13 years older than that, so um, it's been a while. <laughs> I'm almost 30, so um, it's been a long time since I've been reading the Word, but the word, I, it's something I never regret, you know. And when I was trying to ask the Lord what he wants to speak about the Word of God, he led me to John 15. And it says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the branches, I mean from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you could do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. So every time he says, remain in my love, he's basically saying, obey what I say. If you really love me, prove it. Just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. Jump down to verse 16. It says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Man, and, and when I was reading that, I realized that God was speaking about his word. God was speaking about when we rely solely on the word of God, that's when we are truly connected to the vine. Okay? So here are the three, the three power P's, I'd like to say, that result from really valuing the word of God. I tried to make it easy for you to remember three Ps, okay? Maybe you could tattoo it on yourself, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Just remember these three words on why it's important to value, to truly value. And when I say value, I don't just say like the idea. I'm saying read and practice, okay? Every time I say value, read and practice. Because you can't practice what you don't read, okay? You don't, you don't know what to do. So when I say value, you have to read practice, right? Okay. The power P's, I'd like to say, for why it's so important for us to truly value the word of God. And look, I'm not here to convince you. I'm not here to, to force this down your throat. I'm just here to encourage you that by experience, seeing what the word of God has done in my life, like it just makes sense that it should be the most valuable thing that we have. Because everything else will fade away, but his word will remain. Okay? So, the first P is purifies hearts and minds. When you value, truly value, a.k.a. read and practice, read and practice, practice and read, practice and read. When you value the word of God, it first and foremost purifies you. It purifies your hearts 
purifies your mind. And who in here knows that our hearts and minds need some purification because we are some messed up people. Okay, so when he purifies, he exposes and reveals what's really inside. Ugh. It shows every part of who we are that we don't want other people to see. And we're just like, ugh, you know, cringing of the thought of it being exposed. But the word of God does it. And it's necessary, okay? I don't know about you, but if I had a booger hanging out of my nose, I would want one of y'all to tell me because that is disgusting, you know? I'm like over here talking to you and I laugh a lot and it's laughing and it's waving at you. You know, that's gross. I wouldn't want that to happen. So please tell me if that ever happens. And the same thing, it's like if you have something nasty in your life, I, I don't know about you, but I would want the word to tell me what it is because nobody likes a stinky person, you know? Like I, like... It's not pleasant when we have a stinky, not just B.O., whatever, but when a stinky attitude, a stinky character, a stinky mind is set, it's like, I, I would not want, I don't want to be around that, and I don't want you to be around me if I'm like that. You know what I mean? So I, like, I want to be purified. We should desire to be pure. Okay? But he, I, I, Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, and I love this verse. Uh, Pastor Julian actually mentioned it a little bit um, right before we got started, but for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. It separates soul and spirit. It separates what is us and what's of him. And the point of that is for us to see what's really inside. So that's why it's so important when we allow the word of God to come and purify us. The purpose of it isn't just to point at, like for God to point at you and be like, oh, you nasty freak. He's, supposed, he's pointing it at you to be like, let's deal with this, you know. So purification to the heart and mind is equivalent to gold through the fire. Did you know that people who... I don't know what you call them, do gold or whatever, you know? <laughs> no. No, that's not right. It's not gold diggers, okay? <laughs> that's not what it is. Okay, whatever the term is, gold gets purified only through fire, and there's a purpose for that, right? I don't know if you ever heard that song, you know that song that says, Purify my heart. Let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold. Who wants to be gold now? Pure gold. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Don't get me started there. But just like that song, I want to be pure as gold. I want to go through the refining fire. And the way you do that is through the word of God. We need to understand this. Why do we need to be purified? We need to understand that we operate under certain spirits. And whatever spirit we are submitted to, whatever spirit we are, uh, are operating under, we produce fruit from that. When we operate under the Holy Spirit, we receive the fruit of the Spirit, right? If you know it with me, it's what? Love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. Hallelujah. When we operate under the Holy Spirit, that is the result that we get. But when we operate under anything else but the Holy Spirit, like the spirit of anger, the spirit of bitterness, the spirit of insecurity, pride, jealousy, laziness, rejection, offense. You still produce fruit, just not the spirit's kind. So be careful. And when we submit to that, the fruit we produce is bitterness. We lose patience. We have malicious motives. We gossip, we hold on to offense, 
we reject people, we lie, we isolate ourselves, whatever it is, there's always some sort of fruit. And if you see yourself doing one of those things, you know, it it's, includes but not limited to all those things that I've mentioned and so much more, if you see that fruit in your life, there's something that you're operating under that is not of God. And the Lord purifies us, puts us through the fire, through the word of God to show us that, hey, hey, look, you're operating under this, but if you come over here, you could produce this kind of fruit. He's so good. He gives us opportunities to respond correctly to when he purifies us. Reading the word of God exposes every dark corner of our hearts and minds to show us what we really operate under. That's what it means when it says it separates soul and spirit. Really, when I read that, it was just like mind-blowing because it's like realizing what does that even mean? Like you could really cut my soul and spirit in half? But it's like, no, what he's saying is I'm going to reveal to you what is of your flesh and what is of me. And what is of my flesh needs to go through the fire to see what's really, you know, how I could purify you. Are we allowing the word of God to purify us? The Lord wants to reveal what is our flesh. He wants to. Have you ever said this, okay? This is just how I am. It's just my personality. I don't just smile because, like, that's just how I am. I don't smile. Or I, I just have a short temper, it's fine. Like I just, I just yell out once in a while, it's fine. I have road rage, it's, everyone does, you know? <laughs> or I'm just weird and, and, and awkward, so I, this is just how I am, so I'm gonna continue to be this way, you know? What about, oh, I just have a lot of ideas and opinions I just wanna say and just point out everything that's wrong because, you know, it's just how I am. Don't get confused. Sometimes it's just, it's not personality. Sometimes it's bad fruit. You know? Really, what if, just, just take a moment and look at yourself, look at your life, you know? Take a selfie and, and, and realize, okay, am, how do I live? How do I reflect myself to people? Is this really my personality? Or does this, does this come from God? Or can I not find this in the word of God anywhere, you know? And, and the Lord wants to show that to us because he doesn't want us to get sick. As a dad, I wouldn't want to give Taya or Milo anything nasty and moldy, you know? And... That could get them really sick and worse, you know, and I would not want to do that. And spiritually speaking, we as Christians carry something that always gets sown into other people. Are you sowing moldy, nasty seeds or are you sowing pure of God seeds? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are the seeds we want. Those are the fruit we want to produce. The word of God exposes it. Proverbs 4.20 through 22 says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. There's another P, freebie for you. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them in healing to their whole body. Let's allow the word to purify our hearts and minds. Amen? So number one is purify. Number two, it's a two-for-one special for this one. It's uh, prunes to prepare. Number two is prunes to prepare. And what it means is the Lord not only purifies us and exposes these things, what he does is he teaches and corrects and rebukes and convicts our hearts. And that's what pruning is. That's what happens when he prunes our hearts. Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says this. All scripture, can we say all scripture? Not just some scripture. It's all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true 
and to make us realize, you know, like a revelation, what is wrong in our lives. Like I said, if I didn't know I had a booger hanging off of my nose and no one told me, I'm not going to realize it and I'm just going to go to the store, <laughs> go home, take pictures of myself, post it on Facebook and be like, I look cute, you know, but hi. <laughs> no, it teaches us what, it, it corrects us when we are wrong, continue here, and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, God uses it to what? Prepare and equip. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Pruning has a purpose. Pruning is for preparation. Any gardeners out here? Okay, question. Do you value gardening or do you value the idea? I'm <laughs> just kidding. Do, do you have a green thumb, you know? Okay, those of you who garden, majority of us don't, you know, we have a beautiful garden anyways in Georgia. But if you garden, you, you should know that pruning is necessary, right, in order to get what? The best out of the plant. I was looking online because I know nothing about gardening, so I looked up an, a description or an understanding of what gardening is all about and why pruning is so important. So I found this article, okay, about pruning. And I read this, and it was just so powerful. I'm like, oh, wow, like, the Lord is so clever. And pruning, okay, I'm going to read it here. Pruning is the cutting away of unwanted parts of a plant for more fruitful growth and shaping. You should prune a plant or, or shrub, or either a plant or shrub, just kidding, to remove crossed, damaged, or diseased branches that will stress the plant. What the heck? Pruning also improves airflow through the plant and can encourage better branch distribution, which results in a healthier, more vigorous plant that is more, here it is, disease tolerant, AKA sin tolerant, AKA darkness tolerant. Post-bloom pruning maximizes the blooms for the following season. The following season, not the now season. The cardinal rule of pruning is cut cleanly and leave no stubs. Man, and when the Lord said he came to prune, he has a purpose to prune. And man, we have the best gardener just remembered, remember the time when Jesus, like, left the tomb and then Mary came running. It's like, where's Jesus? And out comes this gardener, you know. I just thought of that right now. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. No. Jesus is the best gardener. And he uses his word to prune us. Pruning hurts. Nobody likes to be told that they're wrong. And if you tell me that, you're a liar, you know, because our flesh is so against things that are against our flesh, you know. Nobody likes to be told that they're wrong. Nobody. Nobody loves correction. It's just uncomfortable, and it's like, I'm exposed, don't look at me, you know. Nobody likes that. But here's the thing. It's necessary. It's necessary for us to really see what is inside of our heart. And if you are re rejecting the pruning in your life from the word of God, you're rejecting what's to come. You're rejecting what God truly has in your life. And you are way more valuable. You are filled with way more purpose. You are filled with more direction and, and guidance from God for you to re refuse to allow him to do this in your life. Like, really, look at the days, you know. Look what's happening around us. We have no time to spare. There has to be an urgency in our life to be like, you know what, God, I don't want to be this way anymore. I don't want to live out of anger. I don't want to live out of jealousy. I don't want to live out of offense. I don't want to live out of rejection. We have no time to spare because, ah, fire is falling down from heaven, you know? We, 
The Lord's pruning is to prepare us for what's next. Think of purification as a here's what's not good in our hearts, and think of pruning as a let's deal with it now kind of thing. We need both. You need to see what's happening. You need to deal with what's happening. That's what purification and pruning does. We need both. Reading the word and not letting it change you is like looking in the mirror, walking away, and forgetting what you look like. You might as well just read a history book, you know, if we're not going to let it change us. That's the same thing. Like, we have to have reverence for the word of God, people, because that's all we have. That's all we can base our life off. But God is so good, and he's so loving, you know, that he wants to transform us because he knows what can destroy us. And because he's so good, he doesn't force us to respond to his pruning. He doesn't. He gives us the ability to choose what to do once something has been exposed. But then you have to be like, Lord, prune me. Change me, rebuke me, convict me, teach me. Submission equals humility. And when we submit to the word of God, it humbles us. When we submit to the correction and the conviction of the word, it humbles us. Because when we submit to it, we choose his way and not our way. And the thing is, we, can, we need to choose to surrender so God can take over in our life. To, prune, to have him prune us means it's time to humble yourself. It's time to stop relying on yourself, thinking that I got my life all together. And it's time to let God truly tell us what to do. And we need to respond with obedience in that. Craig Rochelle says, we don't always have the power to control, but we do always have the power to surrender. Any control freaks out there? Because I'm raising my, all righty then, holy people. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll admit, I am a control freak of my life. You know, I want things to go exactly the way I want it to go. But through the word of God, he has taught me how to let go. Let it go. Let it. I am changing my name to Elsa, okay, because I have learned to let it go, people. And we have to let go of control. We have to practice surrendering. That's what it means when we carry our cross, when we deny ourselves. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a direction for us to obey. John 17, 17 says this, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Let God prune you. At the, end of the, at the end of the day, you'll end up to become more like Jesus and less of this world. So number one is what? Purifies. Number two is prunes. Prunes to prepare. And number three, it produces lasting fruit. The word of God, when we value the word of God, it the results is something we cannot resist, and that's to produce lasting fruit. Producing fruit is what disciples do. And in, it says here in verse 8, let me read it again in John 15. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. And we were called to give God glory. Not just over here lifting our hands, singing hallelujah, praise the Lord. Not just that kind of glory, but producing the right fruit gives God great glory. And I'm just like, Lord, I want to glorify you. Let my life glorify you. Let me produce the right kind of fruit. To produce lasting fruit, though, you need to be planted in his word. 
Plants won't grow too far if they're not planted in soil. They have no, ch they have no chance of survival. I love this scripture. It's Psalms 1, 1 through 3. And I'm reading the Amplified Version. But this has, like, always blown my mind on what it means to read the word of God. Blessed, which is fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God, is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, following their advice and example, nor in the path of sinners, nor sit down to rest in the seat of scoffers, ridiculers. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law, his precepts and teachings, he habitually, can you guys say habitually, <laughs> meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted, firmly planted, firmly grasp it, firmly planted, okay? And fed by streams of waters which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers and comes to maturity. Ooh, when we are firmly planted in the word of God, the results are beautiful. The fruit is endless. The fruit lasts forever. To be firmly planted means to be rooted, you know, rooted where there's a source of water. And to grow your roots only could happen when it's habitual. Not a, I read my Bible today and I'm good, I got the dose of the year, you know. No. You can't drink water one day and think it's going to satisfy tomorrow's cravings. Our body functions on water. We're like, I don't know the scientific number, so don't quote me on this. Like 80% of water, am I right? Something like that? No? 70. That was close. Maybe I might be just 80%. No? <laughs> That's why I use the bathroom a lot. No, just kidding. But um, we need to be, we need to realize that when we make reading the word of God a habit, it sustains us every day. It has to be habitual, not just when we feel like it. Because who in here knows that feelings are like, it's like a roller coaster, and I hate roller coasters, and they go up and down, loop-de-loop, -loop, off the thing, ah, you know? No, that's not what roller coasters do. That's what my feelings feel like sometimes, though. So. It has to be habitual, you guys. It has to be every day. It's not a suggestion. It's an, it's, a, it's an invitation, you know, an invitation to be connected to the word of God, to be connected through the word of God to the source. If you feel weak, if you feel tired, if you feel lost, if you feel confused, if you're dealing with sin, if you're dealing with attitudes and character problems, whatever, if you have relational problems, Connect to the source. Be rooted. Because he has everything that you need. Trying to figure out, like, what, like where, where to go or something, it's kind of like driving blinded, you know? Like, I have no idea where I'm going. I'm probably going to kill myself. And the re reading the word of God directs us and leads us every step of the way. And just a little disclosure... You can produce fruit in every season of your life. There's this thing that I hear a lot of people say. I've say it, said it before, but it's like, oh, I'm just in this season. Like, nothing's happening. I don't see God moving. I don't, you know, I don't see any results of what I'm doing. Look, just a little disclosure. I love cherries. But their season is only in the summer, and I love fruit. I'm even wearing cherry socks, okay? <laughs> Cherries, not sherry. 
<laughs> I love cherries, but cherries are only seasonal in the summer. And if I base my life off of cherries, and I'm like, I need fruit in my life, I need the vitamins, and I'm only going to eat cherries, and like the best peak time of cherries is in the summer, and I'm just like, well, every other season, it's okay, I'm just not going to eat anything. You know, let's just say I have a diet of eating cherries only. But when I only eat there, but then I never realize that, oh my goodness, like apples actually have a high peak in autumn, you know, and oh, um, coconuts and oranges are year-round, might as well get some of that, you know, and the same goes with the fruit that you produce in your life with God. You can produce fruit in every season. Dry season doesn't mean dead season, okay, Dry season is still a season. I mean, hello, haven't you heard of the prickly pear? It grows on a cactus. And the cactus lives and resides in Arizona and New Mexico. Okay? In Espanol, it's la tuna. Oh, yeah. Those grow even when it's dry. So don't think you can't produce lasting fruit when you feel dry. You know, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. He never stops. He never stops working. He never stops. He never stops working. Hey, yeah. <laughs> All right, don't tempt me, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I need to produce some fruit. <laughs> You can produce lasting fruit. But are you firmly planted by the streams of life? The streams of living water. Lasting fruit is the proof that the word of God is really penetrating our hearts. That is what really shows if you value the word of God. Luke 18, 15 through 18 says this. And the seeds, this is a story about all the seeds being thrown by the farmer and landing in all different types of ground, okay? But I'm jumping down to the, the end. It says, and the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, who hears God's word, clings to it, a.k.a. practices it, and patiently can you say patiently? Patiently produces a huge harvest. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought out into the open. And everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. So... Pay attention to how you hear, a.k.a. how you're hearing God's voice through the word. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Two things real quick on this scripture. When they talk about the lamp placed on the stand... Most people think, oh, I'm just going to go preach the gospel. This is not what that's talking about. It's not talking about living your life for, to, to reach the lost and all of that. There's another scripture that talks about that. But this one is right after when he says, cling, the God, you hear God's word, you cling to it, and patiently produce a harvest. Putting a lamp on the stand is basically letting the light of Jesus shine in every corner of your heart. Every darkness, because sometimes when you're reading the word and something does nudging you, what you do, hiding it is basically saying, nope, that doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to me. And, and when we open that light, it's saying, oh gosh, like, Lord, you're purifying me. You're pruning me. This is what you're trying to do. And that's what it means when he says no one hides a lamp. I mean, no one lights a lamp and then hides it, you know, hides it under a bushel, you know, and that's what happens when we don't let the word of God purify us, prune us. The word of God purifies hearts and minds. It prunes to prepare. 
and produces lasting fruit. This is what happens when we truly value the word of God. And as we end real quick, I have, maybe you're here and you're wondering like, how do I start to value the word of God? Here's some practical steps for you to really start like valuing God's word. I want you to just take a moment real quick. We're going to think. Ask yourself, do I truly value the word of God? When was the last time he purified my heart, exposed something? When was the last time he pruned my heart, convicted, rebuked, corrected? When was the last time I saw lasting fruit in my life? And when you put that together, you start to see, do I truly value the word of God? And I'm not here to point fingers or to say anything. I just want you guys to take this with the Lord and be like, Jesus, please show me. Please show me if I really do value the word of God. Because if I don't value that, I have nothing. What am I valuing? Is my value in the world? Is it in a relationship? Is it in a person? What's it in? If it's not Jesus and it's not in his word, we got something to worry about because that's not good. It's not safe at all. So the th- we had three Ps for the uh, understanding why the value. We have the three Ps of the how-to, okay, to help you. Also, you could tattoo it on the other arm, okay, to do that. But it says first, number one is to prioritize. You need to put his word first. I don't know about you, but sometimes... I, 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 I even face it sometimes even today. Like, I wake up and the first thing I do is, like, look at my phone, Instagram, whatever. It's like, okay, I have all this time to scroll through social media and all that stuff where I could have used that time to read the word of God. Prioritize. Prioritize the, 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 the word, you know. You make time to read it. Time doesn't just, everyone has the same amount of time. It's what you do with it. So make time for the word, you know. Make time for the word. If you value something, you'll really make time for it. Think of something that you put a lot of time into. If you value uh, working out and fitness, you'll put a lot of time into that. If you value eating, you'll put a lot of time into that, you know. (laughs) So when you value the word of God, you put a lot of time in it. We got to put a lot of time in it. Make it happen. So number one is prioritize. Number two is persist. This is continuing firmly or or continuing firmly in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm reading the word of God, I'm just like, I don't feel like reading the word of God. But I do it anyways. Why? Because I know that the word of God never returns void. So I might as well put it inside of me. So read even when you don't feel like it. Persist. Keep reading even when you're tired even when, when you're angry, even when you, when you don't feel like it, whatever it is. And when, even when you don't see what you want to see. And you're like, I'm reading the Bible, I'm reading the Bible, all this stuff, all this stuff. But I can't figure out what, like I can't see God moving in my life. God says, be faithful. Keep doing it. Because what you don't see, you see the outer appearance, but I look at the heart. And maybe the Lord is doing something in your heart. And number three is practice. Full circle here. We're going back to practice. Don't just read, but you got to practice what the word of God says. Don't just talk the talk. We got to walk the walk. We got to obey the word of God. Remember, faith without action is dead. Faith without action is dead. And if you truly have faith in God, you're going to put action into what he says through the word the heavens have opened and the sound is happening let the Lord speak to you and as we end here I just want to tell you I want to share a little testimony of what the word of God has done but I want to first say that the Bible is so important and so like needing to be respected and valued the biggest book in the the biggest chapter in the Bible is all about the Bible. Psalms 119. If you haven't read it, read it. It has everything about the word. Why? Why it's necessary to be corrected. 
why, what it does to lead every step that you take, that the word of God produces joy, that the word of God protects you, that the word of God guides you in every situation. Psalms 119, biggest book, I mean, chapter in the Bible, go ahead and read it. I want you guys to, I'm challenging you guys, read that. Let it change you. Write down everything that you see that the word of God says is what it does. But the one thing that the Lord has been showing me that what can stop me from truly receiving his word, and maybe some of y'all could, uh, could relate to this, one thing that could stop me from truly receiving his word is when I start to have a hard heart. He reminded me that the solution to your hard heart is to be like a child. You know, as a dad, I've been learning a lot through my kid, you know, and just seeing the simplicity of her heart towards us. And I just, I always hear the Lord speak to me through Taya and She's at that stage where she's really into, interested in everything, you know? She's walking around, running on the couch. I tell her no, she keeps going, you know, that stage. And she does this thing where every time we enter a room and we turn the lights on, she's always like, oh, wow. Turn it off, we leave. We go back to the same room 10 minutes later, turn it out, oh, wow. It's the cutest thing. And the Lord spoke to me about that. Do I do that when the light of Jesus comes into the room? Oh, wow, Jesus. Maybe you, have, maybe you don't. Maybe your heart's hard. And the word of God softens your heart. Don't let hardness stop you from seeing the glory and standing in awe of Jesus. And when you read the word, he allows you to act like a child. That's why he says, be like a child. Oh, wow, Jesus, I made it to church today. Oh, wow, Lord. Oh, I have friends over here. Oh, wow. Thank you, Lord, for providing everything. Oh, wow, Jesus, you're so good. Because when we don't approach him like a child, we start to get hard. And... Me, being 30-year-old, feeling like an old person already, but as I get older, I realize I get more susceptible to becoming jaded and stubborn in my ways. And I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be someone older and older and older and just being stubborn and stuck in my ways because I believe this is what I need to do. But when I step into the room and say, oh, wow, Jesus, he'll change you. What is it that you're not allowing God to change your heart that's stopping you from being in awe in him? And as we prepare our hearts, The Lord, when I was praying for everyone here, you know, I started praying for just certain people, some of the guys that I disciple, and the Lord started to say, like, these things that I'm praying for, pray it over for the church. And one thing, I was praying for one of them, the Lord, I felt like the Lord was saying, this is what I'm trying to say to the church. And I want to prophesy this over you guys, because who knows, 2020 may end or not, you know, who knows what the future holds, so we might as well be ready. I just want to share what the Lord 
shared, uh, showed me. When I was praying, I felt the Lord was saying, he showed me a picture of a tent. And I quickly went to who was here when we actually had church outside under the tent. And when that happened, there was something like, you know, even talking to some of the pastors and feeling like, I know we were saying this, like, it just felt like there was some sort of stir in the spirit. Seeking the Lord in the midst of trial, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of chaos. And the spirit of God showed up. So the Lord showed me a picture of a tent. And I saw huge tent pegs, okay, huge, that were being driven into the ground through the tents, you know, the, t- the legs of the tent. And what happens, obviously, when the tent pegs go through, uh, like that, that go through the ground for the tent, its purpose is to hold it in place. And I just saw that picture and I started to see this wind start to blow into the tent. And you just see, you know, the tent's like flapping around and all this stuff, but it wasn't moving. And I felt God was saying, we need to be, we are that tent, okay? We are the tent. And the Lord wants to blow into our lives. He wants, but we have, the tent represents hosting the presence of God. And a lot of us here just love the feeling of the Lord, which is great. You know, we love the, the shabba kind of feel and like whatever, the presence of God is here in this place. But the Lord didn't stop there. He showed me like we're the tent, but the tent pegs actually represent the word of God. And I felt what happened was when we were nailing those tent pegs down to hold the tent in place, the Lord was able to blow and we're able to stand and host the presence of God. But remember, he is like the wind. He'll go wherever it is. But when we're, our tent pegs are not there, what happens to that tent? <laughs> Gone. Yeah, we had one experience with the Lord. But are we sustaining it? And I felt the Lord was saying, you could only hold and, and contain and host me if you are firmly grounded, firmly planted, with the word. You need the word to hold the presence. Because when we are grounded in him, he, his presence won't overwhelm us and push us and all we have is one wonderful tickly sensation of the Holy Spirit. We can't host, host the presence of God well if we don't have the tent pegs driven down through us into the ground. Without it, we will be blown away and useless. Isaiah 22, 22 through 24 says this. This is a messianic prophecy, okay? Then I saw, then I will put the key of the house of David on his shoulder. When he opens, no one will shut. When he shuts, no one will open. I will drive him like a peg in firm place and he will become a throne of glory to, the fa- to his father's house. So they will hang on him all the glory of the Father's house, the offspring and the descendants and the least of vessels from bulls to the jars. And that peg represents Jesus, represents the word. And I think it's so important. Do we let the word of God change us? And I know hearts right now are being stirred. And we're gonna have a moment to respond to this. But I remember when I was 17 years old, when I made that decision to start following Jesus with all my heart and make it a priority to read the word, I would not be here today. Dealing with so much stuff in my life I know we all have a story and we all face things but when I allowed the word of God to come into my life he started to change the way I started to think he helped me get through fear when I was in college and someone tried to murder me he helped me get through pain when I had some big family issues in my life 
he helped me find true stability and, and peace when my relationship with Becca went down. He's giving me security when I'm lacking in finances. He's giving me a future when the world thinks that there is none. And the word of God is so powerful. So why don't you just close your eyes? I want us to respond to the word of God today. I know some of your hearts here are being tugged. The Lord is purifying your heart to show you that it's time to deal with this. The Lord of God is pruning some of your hearts to show you it's, I'm rebuking you and correcting you and convicting you so you don't have to live in this trapped way. Just let the Holy Spirit, just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. We're going to open up the altar soon. We're going to have people to pray for you, but I feel like the Lord is revealing certain things in your heart. He's revealing things in my own heart. We need to go back to the reverence for the word of God, the dependency of the word of God. Maybe you're here and you don't read the word. Make that decision today to do that. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know why you should if you don't even believe in Jesus. And I feel like some of us need to respond to that and, and, and allow the word of God to come inside of our heart and to let Jesus be the true Lord and Savior. And we're going to pray for anyone who needs to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if you are here and you feel like I need to make him my master of my heart, just raise your hand real quick and just say, that's me. Just say, I haven't allowed him to be the one calling the shots in my life. If that's anyone, just raise your hand because we would love to pray for you. All right, anyone else? Look, remember, the Lord purifies, he exposes and reveals to give us an opportunity to deal with what's not of God. Let him prune you. So what we'll do, why don't we all just stand to our feet? Before we open the altar, before we have a, an altar response, because there are a few more things I would like for you guys to get prayer for. But I would like us just to worship God just a little bit. We're just going to keep it low so you guys could just be intimate with the Lord. And we're just going to sing, giving him glory. All hail King Jesus. Come on, let's just give him all that we have. All hail King Jesus. Just worship him today. Oh, the Savior of Sing that again. The world. Sing oh, Sing it one more time, church.
And I feel like the, we need to respond to, I felt like a lot of you had a nudge from the Holy Spirit when I started to say that our hearts were starting to get a little hard and jaded to the word. And I feel like the Lord is saying, be like a child. Be like a child and be like, oh, wow. When Jesus enters into the room, oh, wow. And when you've, if you have lost that awe of him or you don't have that awe of him, I just want to open the altar up. And don't be afraid. Just come up and just be like, you know what, God? Just like a child would be like, there's a gift up there. I'm going to get it. I don't know about you. If you ever give a child a gift and you just say it's in the living room, they're going to run to the living room. I'm not saying there's something special about the altar. But it does humble us. It does start the softening part. So I just want to encourage you guys. We're just going to worship very low. And I want to open up the altar. We're going to have some people here to pray for you. If you feel like the Lord says you need to be purified, you need to be pruned, you need to produce fruit, or that you're lacking that awe factor of Jesus, and your heart's becoming jaded and stubborn, I'm going to have the pastors come up. And I just want you guys, if you need prayer, just come up and get prayer. If you just want to be at the altar, just come up and be at the altar. And let's get back in awe of Jesus. And to have Jesus teach us to value the word of God. If you are also here and you need to start valuing the word of God, come and get prayer. Come and receive that revelation of God. Let's just continue to worship him a little bit more. The altar is open, church. Come and get some prayer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.